Girls. Girls. Ghosts. Ghosts. Ghouls. Ghouls. Timely, topical, and terrifying. You are listening to Girls Ghost Ghouls, a podcast of women discussing horror movies from the silent era through the 1970s. Well, hello, everyone. We're back. I know you missed us, and it is now 2022. And as it is now 2022, we need to talk about Soil and Green. <laughs> because as you may or may not know, <laughs> Soil and Green is people, people. and it's set in 2022. Um, I will have to say that it's probably not strictly a horror movie, so we are kind of diverging here, but horrific. (laughs) I was thinking about it. Definitely. While it is totally in the zeitgeist, like everybody knows this, I can imagine when it came out and you didn't know what the like tagline was that it was really creepy and thrillery and kind of noirish, not knowing that you know, it was going to end up being that. And then reading the lips of the old man as he's going, it's people. Yeah, I would say it's more dystopian sci-fi, though, if you're looking uh, for it. Yeah. But, but, you know. However, it's within 2020. the... Yeah, with, with, <laughs> and I agree with Betsy, within the particular time frame of the elements. 70s, it has horror elements. Yeah. Um, but... I think it's perfectly justifiable considering it's 2022 now. So almost yeah, every single woman was called furniture. That's pretty horrifying. Yes. Yes. We'll get into Ooh. that. For sure. Oh but, um, yeah. Oh, Hey, a- so in case you didn't know, this is girls go schools. Um, <laughs> and so I green now. So yeah, just cause you know, we got real excited about talking about it, but yeah. So if you have never seen Soylent Green, you probably should just because it's on the list. Um, I bet you if you've never seen it, though, that you probably are aware that it is people, <laughs> but you may not understand what Soylent Green and it being people means. Obviously, this episode is going to be filled with spoilers. So if you've never watched it and don't want to know everything beforehand and you um, made it this far, perhaps stop and go watch the movie. You can probably find it on, for free on Roku or some streaming app. Um, I found it free on Roku on some odd channel. There you go. Just go it's into Roku. Anyway, and wait, it's two ninety nine to rent it, and you get it for three days. Just yeah, yeah. Thing. It was it was worth the two ninety nine. And you know, if you want to make a drinking game out of it, just anytime Charles Heston overacts or calls a woman furniture, drink, and you'll be drunk within ten minutes of the movie. I mean, yeah. just- <laughs> Maybe don't do that. You're at risk of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Just don't drive. <laughs> no, no. Or maybe we'll for a good night and then take a drink every time they say furniture and have a great time. Uh, yeah. And definitely, in my personal opinion, Charlton Heston is not that phenomenal of an actor, in my opinion. I, I believe he's more of the just real... He was just famous, you know, like people liked him. They put him in stuff. He had a good look. He had a good, you know, face. He made friends well. And I, it's not that he was a terrible actor, but he, he was, was kind of like him and William Shatner clearly went to the same school. <laughs> he, I was describing the movie a bit to my mom and I was discussing, uh, discussing it. I said, you know, he's overly dramatic in his acting. She's like, oh, likes the James Dean style of acting. And I'm like, no, you're not far off. It's the, he's acting to the back of the audience. And there is no back. But there's no back to the back audience. The audience is right here. The film. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're up front in the, in the front of the theater. There's two people in the theater. They could see you clearly. <laughs> 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 
You're the only one there with your bucket of popcorn. Although I will say, like, strangely, because I had, in all honesty, I had never seen this film until we no, watched I, neither, it. Neither did I. I thought it was going to be far campier than it was. So then I'm like, I don't understand this film. It's taking itself incredibly seriously. And yet it should be camp, but it's not because it's taking itself too seriously. Yes. But it should be campy. But it's You know, not. I would say it was never meant to be camp, but I don't think it it was meant to be a warning. It really right. was. Um yeah, it, but it was a serious takeoff on the book. Uh, but even the author, yeah, even the author himself watched it and said, eh, it's only about 50% of the way there. But but also, I mean, this director is known for some wonderful movies, <laughs> like Conan the Destroyer and Red Sonja. <laughs> I mean, he did some serious, serious shit back in the day, though. I mean, uh, as a producer, he won an Oscar for um, oh, I forgot what it was a it was a documentary on Design for Death. It was called Design for Death. Sorry, I had to go through my notes. Um, and it basically followed Japan from way back when like America jumped in there and forced them to open trade routes to the, you know, what led up to Pearl Harbor, the joining of the Nazis and led up to Pearl Harbor. And it was uh, supposed to be extremely good. I've never watched it. I don't know if it's um, hate speech, so I can't really speak to it or if it's strictly a very, this is really what happened. I mean, like, obviously, like I said, it did take into account America just being, Hey, Japan, fuck you. You're going to come do this. And that was like right after the civil war, I believe. Um, America mm-hmm. Civil War, not Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was late late 1860s. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's probably something I'm going to look into to see. But um, so he he does have some serious cuts in there. But he's also like the 1960s Doctor Doolittle was his another one that he directed as well. So he he's got a background in definitely campier shit. And um, like I don't know, like I said, I don't know if they were trying to take this film seriously. If they were really trying to drive home the dystopian horror of the situation. But the other ironic thing that needs to be noted, so the, the whole thing is that the world's overpopulated, greenhouse effect has happened. Um, there's just, you know, plant, there's not enough plant life, animal life to sustain feeding the amount of people there are. And, you know, like the, the, the poor people, it looks like 1940s, 1930s, you know, depression era time where people are waiting in line for the soup and all that. Um, and it just... <laughs> really flipping hilarious because um it's supposed to be horrifying you're supposed to be like this is not what i want and you know it's really supposed to be making a point about the environment what's being done to it but your main actors in it are all staunch republicans who would not believe in any of this shit anyway yep so it's kind of interesting that they took it so seriously when clearly they had no belief whatsoever in the greenhouse effect or you know global warming or climate change like these are all people that if they were in don't look up they would not look up you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and that's like Charlton Heston, Chuck Connors, um, Edward yeah. Robinson. Yeah. That that's you know, so it's it's really I have to give them credit that they did take the source material so seriously for the acting of it, but I, I don't think they took they didn't the get source the material seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would happily eat soil and green and think there was no problem. <laughs> you know? They would be fine with, of course, being the 1%. Exactly. Now, to me, it was funny. So, like, I pointed out, like, the, the poor people, you're all looking at, like, it seems like that they're trying to reflect back into, like, the, Dep- the Great Depression. However, they're 
vision of what 2022 would be was 1973, which is when this movie was released, 1972-73. So they they did not envision anything futuristic, like, or they had no imagination there, or they had no budget there. I'm not sure what it was. They they pretty much imagined stasis and decay, I think. It might have been that, or they might have just been lazy. I mean, the most advanced thing they had was an arcade game, which also was in 1970. Which was was, uh, an actual game. It was the first commercial arcade game that was ever released. First commercial arcade game by the group that would go on to be Atari. The only thing that they did to it is they painted it white because it didn't come in that color. I think it was like red and yellow. Red, (laughs) yellow, and blue were the colors that you could get it in. Also, the creator Pong behind that. That that stayed in my head. Mm, Yeah. Pong, <laughs> which I'm, um, you know, I grew up on Atari and Pong, which was funny because when you saw it, it kind of looked vaguely like Space Invaders when or Centipede. Loved it. it. Was a, yeah, that, this is a little similar to the Space Invaders. Yeah, we had a Pong set. I never had an Atari though, because asking my parents for that a video game system would have been fruitless. Yeah, to be fair, I only had Pong. I didn't get an Atari. Years later, I had um, a knockoff of Atari called Intellivision that my father found at a garage sale. I'm still looking for a uh, a ColecoVision, uh, a good emulator for that. I'm, I'm sure you can probably find one if you Google it. Yeah. The most high tech they got, like anything they were trying to make look futuristic, they, they just... I loved in the one apartment, had a TV that was perfectly round. And I was like, okay, where can I find a, a circle TV? Because I love that thing. I would have one, but it probably wouldn't work. Uh, but otherwise, it was it was badass, but not modern, like not futuristic. It was just cool looking. Yeah, it, it was very like very dated. Like you're like uh, 2022. This is okay. It had, but here's some freakiness. It had Half the poor people were wearing masks in a crowd in the movies. <laughs> I did notice that. Yeah, you saw a few people wearing masks, too, with the down, you know, down, or they were wearing Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, because even Charlton Heston at one point, I think, had one. I was like, so there's that where it's remarkably eerily similar. We we are definitely having a problem with climate change and global warming from the greenhouse effect for sure. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're not quite to where they thought we'd be in 2022 so we got that going for us <laughs> yeah there's that relief <laughs> well us it, we're still working on destroying the planet we haven't quite gotten there <laughs> but no, yeah. and so uh, through the majority of this movie you know it's like so bogged down in the police procedural that you're Which, watching you're going what is he doing what did he do it? Why do I care about this? I love that he's like a detective, but also a beat cop. <laughs> yeah. Which all the cops are male. So actually now's probably a good time to address what they did with women in dystopian futures. And I was reading some oh, interesting Lord. trivia on it. And I basically, so the theory in general is that whenever society degrades, that they will treat women worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So that's why you pretty much see it in a dystopian or horror that pretty much is anywhere from like the dawn of time to like, I'd say at least the 1990s, if not further, you see women are basically relegated to they're the whore. That's that. That's their futuristic place Candy. in society yeah. is they become whores. Yeah. 
um, or they're just married with children being beat. There's <laughs> nothing else. You know? yeah. So that's it. And in this particular furniture. one, they refer to her horse as furniture. Right. Yes. They generally I don't, yeah, come with apartments. Yeah, because <laughs> you know? uh, there, there is at one point where Heston uh, is, uh, oh, your furniture? And she, uh, Shirley goes, yes. And he's building or personal. And that's about how he's categorizing. And that's why I like, I don't even like to call those characters sex workers because sex workers implies a, I chose it, chose to do this. And well, they did. I and mean, that, that was her job. She could choose not yeah. to be, there just wasn't much else out there. Like apparently yeah, she was on I mean, the street. She legitimately so, was going to try to go off with Charlton Heston for reasons. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I call it choosing under duress, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a choice to starve in the streets or, you know, be furniture. Yeah. Right? Well, it's not a great choice, but the evil of, you know, I would, I would assume that well, it's a bad assumption, but I would, there are a lot of women that do choose to sex work because the other options are just as bad to them as it would yeah. be in dystopian future, which is the problem <laughs> for sure. Yes. And there are obviously people that choose sex work because that's what they want to do. And that's where they make the money and get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go people. I'm, I'm all for it. That's what you want to do. Being forced into it to me is the issue, which yes. when your options are die in the streets or become furniture, it's kind of being for, it, it is being forced into it. So to yeah. your point, Rebecca. So, but yeah. Um, but it still would be, in line with horrible <laughs> unfortunately <Yeah>. so because <laughs> that is a, a true story for a lot of people in those roles so yeah but um yeah so they, they, that's it it's it's women are furniture or furniture. dying in the streets with their children tied to their arms it is in the lovely scene right in front of the homeless shelter so <laughs> he just well, except for one the exchange we had a couple people on the exchange there were older women mm-hmm. that seemed to oh. not be dying in the street or having to be furniture yes Betsy, go ahead. I saw the. I was going to say um, the the head of the exchange, whose name literally just escapes me. I wrote it down. Where did I put it? It was her last film, but she was in Star Trek. <laughs> yes, yeah. she, she played uh, Tapau. I can't find her name here, but she played Tapau. She was the um, the matriarch um, Vulcan. Matriarch Vulcan. Yeah, but when Seth and I were watching, he went, "Is that Tapau?" But I have to find her name because it's worth looking. So I will yeah. try to find it real quick. She's brilliant. Cecilia Lovsky. Yes, Cecilia Lovsky. And she's brilliant. Cecilia, not Cecilia. Cecilia. Mm-hmm. Cecilia. Cecilia Lovsky. Yeah, she was lovely and the role was nice. wonderful. Also, she used to be married to Peter Lorre. Oh, interesting. Which was a fact that I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, you'll like this. The yeah. guy, the, the main murder mystery, um, was it Simonson is his name? Simonson, yeah. Joseph Cotton from 1944 Gaslight, the detective. Son of a bitch. I know. I didn't <laughs> catch on right away either. Uh, I like, Who is he? And it says like Gaslight. I was like, there it is. Thank you so much. Yep. I mean, he's in it for like 30 uh, seconds. Let's just. Yeah. <laughs> he's dying yeah, and I recognize his face. Yeah, that's it. Um, but which is also funny because really, in essence, what this whole movie is, is a murder mystery. It is. Um, it, with yeah. dystopian horror um, scenery, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's like uh, a noir kind of like murder mystery, but it's hidden. But, in 
disgusting yeah. and weirdness. Um, but in the end, it's just why was this guy murdered? You know, oh, to keep the secret that they're feeding people people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. That moment though, when the guy walks in, when he walks in to murder him, and he's like, "I know why you're here. It's necessary." And you're like, "It's like the most polite murder you've ever seen." <laughs> Seriously, he's like, yeah, yeah, just "Go ahead and murder me. I understand. It's necessary." The like, um, so hey, um, see, they told me that, um, that they're sorry, uh, but <laughs> but you're a risk, so they have to. And he's like, "They're right." Yeah. And, and then I just was like, so this is right. He's like, well, it's not right, but it's necessary. <laughs> it was it's so funny. It's a bizarre <laughs> scene. Like, it's, really watch it for the murder scene. It's just like, it's so wild. Yeah, it's necessary. They're right. I'm going to tell people. They're correct. <laughs> already have. Just, <laughs> yeah, you should probably yeah, tell that's me. True. Sorry, I mean, he's very resigned to his fate, I suppose. I mean, super resigned. Yeah. 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 So another one to mention. So the, the chief of police is played by Brock Peters. And Brock Peters was into Killing Mockingbird, um, the 1962 one. An amazing actor. That wasn't all he was in. He was in tons of stuff. But that's it was a standout role for me. I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, him. <laughs> yeah, amazing I looked actor. him up as well. And I was like, oh, 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 I see. Yes. And. Went down so, his yeah. list of, of films. And the woman who played Cheryl, she's actually one of the few actors from this movie that actually made it to 2022. Um, Lee Taylor Young, and she was in tons of movies. Um, she had a very 90s. prolific career, I saw. And um, she was the only one who I don't think took the role super seriously. But of course, I mean, here you are playing furniture. So, but I mean, she did great. I mean, this is not to take away from her. But yeah. She wasn't over the top, like where everybody Whoa. else was over the top. Her just acting kind of made everybody else look ridiculous, in my opinion. Because she was just well, like, she was just so calm about everything. And I kept going, she's just pretty. Like, she's pretty. <laughs> Super pretty. Um, I, I did appreciate actually the the restrained acting style. Yes. And part of it, I think, is very good for that particular character because right. she has to restrain herself. She can't allow her own opinions and desires out really because by nature of what her job is. Exactly. Well, that's, yeah, it was just like she played the role perfectly. Let's, let's absolutely. Everybody else was doing a little extra shall we say she was just <laughs> yeah. right on the money even her and i think it made everybody else look a little clownish because they were being so extra well they were clownish from their acting style so it's like everybody was like oh it's charlton heston we need to turn it up to 11 i don't i don't i don't i just don't <laughs> also honestly charlton heston's character is supposed to be like 40 and i was like he is firmly 50 he was 50 he is yeah. firmly 50. That so yeah, actually the character yeah. Thorne would be 41 in 2022. That's, right. that's actually, which I find ironic because I'm like, wow. Cause I'm actually, well, I'll be 47 in 2022. So I'm like, I am I'm 47 now. So. In 2022. <laughs> Betsy's like, I am Thornton. <laughs> she or is Thornton's the character. Like, it's me. It's me the whole time. <laughs> But um, yeah, so another thing that we should probably definitely mention is Edward Robinson. Um, he played um, Saul, who was 
referred to as a book. And as far as I could tell, because I never really go into this, a book is just a researcher. I was going to say, it seemed like yeah. he's like a researcher for the police. Like he did. He was Google. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was. He he was. He and the other books were their their database. They were their computer the exchange system. Was where you like, yes. it, yeah. So and talked to other books and find out you know information. Those of you and, who have not lived prior to <laughs> the internet <laughs> age, <laughs> what you really have to understand. I don't mean to be ridiculing them. Is that prior to being able to research things on internet, you actually had to go. And like talk to people, go to libraries, look stuff up in paper card catalogs like you didn't do an online search. You had to pull up in drawers. You had to have an idea of a subject, a title, an author, something to be able to find anything. And then if you didn't know, you had to ask somebody else who knew who asked somebody else who knew. So it was a fuck ton harder to find shit out prior to the internet. (laughs) Like you could find shit out in 30 seconds now because we have these lovely little smartphones or laptops or computers or tablets. But before that, man, it was an... The most advanced shit we had was microfish, and that was a whole other thing. Oh, that's horrible. I can't look at that. <laughs> microfish were awful. It makes, it makes me motion sick. So awful. And I bring all this up just because if you watch this movie, you need to understand like how vital somebody like Saul was and something like the exchange was and how like shitty the chief is about, do you need a new one? Because he's taken like a day to figure the shit out. Like, like mm-hmm. it would take months to find some shit out. Let's just be honest, at least months. <laughs> yeah. So especially since like, clearly there was like, apparently no technology and dystopian. So in the green 2022 beyond certain alarm systems. And I mean, to a degree, I'm like, at least they didn't try to create computers because they would have looked really bad, but I would rather have seen a computer of some sort. There were beginning computers then. They They had an arcade game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which means they had one. There has been like computers. Like, I mean, they sent people to the moon in the sixties. I was going to say, we know there were computers. There were computers. There were computers in World War II. There was, you know, I mean, you know, Bluetooth technology came from Hedy Lamar. There were movies in the 1950s that involved computers. So you could have had some kind of technology. You know it exists. You know where we were headed. Yeah, I mean, it should be the big things with the tapes running. That that would have yes. probably what they would yeah, have. Yeah. A, a giant wall bank for, you know, the data storage. I was going to say, it was a whole room full of one computer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What they showed in Hidden Punch Figures, cards. if you watch the movie <laughs> Hidden Figures and they had the big IBMs, that's yeah. basically what you would be looking at, in, even in the 70s. So they would have had that and they could have made that. Be There's a classic movie that I can't think of, but it has um, Catherine Hepburn, where they are like the information desk and then they bring in a computer to do their job for them. But then the women are faster than the computer, but I can't remember what it is. But it is that situation. I am definitely going to have to look that up because I love Catherine Hepburn. Oh, it's so good. And she is quippy most. I'll find okay. the name. So, but back to, to Saul, who was played by Edward Robbins, which um, Rebecca brought this up. He was, uh, he turned on people in the House of Un-American, uh, or the Committee of, uh, on the House of Un-American Activities. Activity, something like that, the McCarthyism. McCarthy, Rich Hunts in the 50s. And again, if you're unaware of what those are, you should be kind of feeling the familiarity from coming out of the Trump ages, um, <laughs> basically it went after anybody who had a political belief or uh, religious belief that differed from in God we trust and we're Christians. And uh, if you're atheist or communist or uh, believe that our system of government wasn't working, they came the fuck after you and they destroyed yep. you. And I mean, destroyed. you were blacklisted. 
you had to, truthfully, if you were going to live, you had to leave the country if they let you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they went after Hollywood with a ferociousness because if you were in the public light and you were anywhere dissenting of how things were going in America at the time, they were going to shut you up, period. And your only way to save yourself is to do what Ed Roberts did. And it's basically throw somebody else to the wolves and say that you were, you were led you astray. Were, you were duped. You were no, duped which isn't by so-and-so. He wasn't just a dick in general. I don't know. He could have been. But I mean, we all like to think that if we're called to the carpet and somebody puts us up that we would hold true and not rat out yeah. friends or family yeah, or but our beliefs. But the truth is, do you know? You don't. So no one's going to know until they're in that exact situation. Personally, I'd rather not be in that situation. <laughs> Likewise. So that that's part of his history. But more tragically, the man was dying during the making of the movie. This was the last film he was ever in. He died 12 days after they finished the film. Um, he died in January of 1973. The film was released in May of 1973. I can't um, imagine. The pain, was, the physical pain he would have been in in filming. He was all but deaf, which actually, when you think about his acting, is really amazing because they had to work with him so that he could, because the only way he could hear is if he talked like directly in his ear, which obviously would not make for very good film. Um, so he, they had to do scenes over, rehearse them over and over again so he can get the timing and the cadence of when to say his lines. And he basically would just base it off of when he saw people's lips stop moving and then go with his line there. Um, the cast and crew knew he was dying. So those tears where you see Heston crying in, in his euthanasia scene probably wasn't much acting. He probably really was. That is very much, according to everyone on the set, that was very much not in the script. He was not supposed to cry. And he just started crying because it was so much. I also read that Charlton Heston and him were actually kind of friends. They'd worked together before. And he knew he was dying. So he brought him snacks and stuff every day. He'd bring him new cheese and new wine to try on set, which I thought, like, I think Charlton Heston is a shit heel. Beyond that, that Likewise. is a thing to do for his friend. Like, for real. Like, what a sweet thing to do for someone that you know is so uncomfortable and, you know, working through something so hard. So I will give him those props. And that is all the props he gets from me. That's the hard reality. We like to think that people that back crazy, insane shit without any thought are complete monsters. And while there is, I've never met a complete monster. I've, I've met pretty fucking close, but never really met a complete monster. No, like, absolutely. you know, especially, you know, serial Humans killers. Are incredibly aside, so. nuanced. It's, yeah. it's like I've always said before, sometimes when, you know, we have a, a favorite star or a favorite artist or something and, and something horrible comes out about them or something that we don't like, you know, what do you do? It's difficult. It's complex. People have very many layers to them and no one is going to be absolutely what we see as good or absolutely bad as, as we see here. Absolutely I like not. it to be that way. Cause it's easier. It's easier. Well, yeah. If it's somebody that's, you know, backing something hateful and just hate them all around and not view the fact that they're, you know, we're a good friend to someone dying on the set and capable of acts of kindness. And it's also, we'd rather view somebody who's great and brought us joy and seems like they were doing wonderful things in the world. We don't want to know that they were like drugging people and raping them. We just, you know, be happier not knowing, like, you know, we don't want to know that this great rock star that was doing great for people that are freaks and stuff like that, making you feel better about being different was also banging 
you know, 12 year olds. I mean, it's just, we don't want to know, but that's the reality. (laughs) It's a shitty reality. (laughs) It's a real shitty reality. But I mean, you go back in time, what there's a song, it's a classic song called we're standing on the shoulders of freaks. Do you know this parody song where it's like Leo da Vinci uh, required, like it was like all about their weird sexual proclivities because a lot of them had weird sexual proclivities. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. It's nobody doesn't have a little darkness. People are nuanced. But I'm that being that he said, gave some comfort. hold people accountable, you know, yeah. for both the good and bad. Don't ignore well, it. it. Be nuanced watch. and still be dickweeds. Yes. Well, that's it. Um, <laughs> you know? I can admit that you had some good points and also not want to support you anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just as we can see that there's some good things you did and just call out the shit that you did as well. You know, like it's yeah. like, this is a beautiful thing be. you did for your friend. I still think you're a craphead. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Which I think saves the world, honestly. If you stop putting people on pedestals and just following blindly because you want to like a person whether it's politics, you know, movies, whatever, music, art, then we start making changes. If you just keep saying, no, this person is perfect, we don't make changes. We just stand on hilltops for no apparent fucking reason saying, this is where I'm going to die on this point. Why? (laughs) But, all right, terrible digression. However... (laughs) Really in theme, though, actually. I can't say it's really digression because it kind of follows what's going on in the movie. You just have, like, it does. shit going on and people just ignoring it. Like, it's fine that women are furniture. It's fine that there's people dying in the streets and there's no room for them. It's fine. It's fine. You think the it's crowd fine control that nowadays? They literally were oh. having dump trucks and dumping the people's bodies. <laughs> yeah, it was literally, you are garbage. Let's remove you from the streets. One of the most shocking things to me in this film is a little thing, but it got me every single time, which is all the people sleeping in the stairwells of the apartment buildings and him having to hop down on one leg using the, and he did that in every single building that he went in, which means that there are so many people that like people just live in the, in the hallways. And I thought it was such a weird little thing, but watching him hop one-legged down the steps so that he didn't step on anyone was such a crazy thing for them to do all the time. And it really hit me like the third or fourth time I was like, this is crap. (laughs) Well, and it set up the couple things. So like I said, that this was based on a a book called make room, make room by Harry Harrison. (laughs) I've never read that. I'm going to have to find it. Okay. Um, And I'm going to put it on my list. One of the big issues, addition to the whole, you know, climate change, the greenhouse effects and was the vast overpopulation. And, and so I thought the way that they had this mass of people on the stairs and stuff like that and in the streets did a great job of setting that up. And I thought it kind of set up an interesting quick way for you to understand Charlton Hessen's character, Thorne, because if you didn't put these little things in the background, you would just think he was a dick. But right. the fact that he purposely, the character purposely went out of his way to not step on him instead of just being like, fuck it, I'm going to step on these people, which in reality, I could see people doing that, you know, oh, like, absolutely. I'm sure that there are other police officers that would have just trod on everyone as they went down the stairs, but you can see him being careful, trying his best not to being very careful. And then later when the woman dies outside of the one shelter and he picks up the baby and brings it in with him. And inside. I, I, I that. 
Yeah. His treatment of Saul, where, you know, the guy was older, he could have just been like, all right, give me a new book, but he didn't. Absolutely. Um, He was taking care of him. Like he was aware that the only reason that he was alive was because of him. mm -hmm. Um, There were a lot of things about his character that were very like, oh, we're seeing that he's different. Even with the whole calling women furniture, and even there's a scene where like one of the pieces of furniture comes at him and he knocks her away rather brutally. But there's also another scene where there's a whole bunch of women who work in the building yeah. that are in Cheryl's apartment. Well, the apartment she's attached to. Right. And uh, Charles comes in and just starts it's beating the shit out of these women and he stands up for them. Yes, you he know? does. So, yeah, he, again, he pretty much threatens the Charles, like, if you do this again, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. I just, that was pretty straight up clear yeah. from I think from they that. did a really good job with these little acts of setting up that Thorne was not that Thorne was a character with compassion and that he didn't buy in completely to yeah. everything that was going on like he certainly I mean he certainly abused his power he did steal things oh yeah from people and but it was food uh <laughs> I mean so that's the thing so the cops aren't really empowered in these situations like yeah, they don't uh, my my question my question was why do they even have them yeah they don't seem to be like they had jobs and they had rations but they were like maybe a half a step above the people in the streets and interestingly we're like in reality if you look around and we see what happens with people that are half a step above of people who are marginalized or in the streets they tend to treat the people who are marginalized and in the streets completely shittier than anything else Right. Like that's what in reality you see a lot. And um, so I thought it was interesting that they never put that really out there until you saw crowd control. <laughs> then you saw like complete lack of compassion all around. Like even the scene where like the, the killer is trying to shoot um, Thorne to kill him. Um, yeah. And he's just shooting random people like that are in the way. You see no compassion from Thorne at that point. Like not, he's not like, sorry that this other person got shot instead of him. He's not, you know, nobody seems, none of the cops at this point are concerned that people are being scooped up and thrown into the trash trucks. You know, I mean, at that point, it's almost like how we're viewing what's going on with COVID. Like it's just so much and people are catching it every day that we're just like, it's 20,000 cases on average. We're all just we're numb. We're numb <laughs> to, to some of it. And- a lot of numbness in that. Yeah. So you see when you have the mass of it, the numbness, and you see when you have the individuality of it, where the compassion comes out. And I, I thought it was very telling and sadly very true. <laughs> it, there was a lot about this movie that was surprising to me in its like being very hyperbolic, but then very grounded um, at the same time, like, which is a really weird thing, which again is why I would say watch the stupid movie, even though, you know, like everybody knows the punchline. I knew the punchline going in. I knew what was coming. And yet at the same time, it was so shocking Um, only because it was so strange the way that they let it all roll out. It was very much like a police procedural until all of the sudden it wasn't. (laughs) Police procedural procedural slash thriller yeah it's such a strange film the discovery of it like they they make it like the how it's figured out is saul is reading this results of a study of the ocean and the phytoplankton which they they were being told is what soiling green was made of and he's reading it and it's like it's all dead it can't possibly be made of it and then he goes to the exchange and the exchange is like you know what's happening we just need proof yeah. And my one yeah. issue with that is they never really get proof. I mean, Thorne sees what happens, but that's not proof. You know? 
That's but there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no assurance to that anybody is going to believe it or do anything about it. Right. Um, the well, part that got to me, lives. yeah, the part that got to me was the reports on the oceanic collapse. It was like, if that happens, y'all fucked. If that happens, you actually do have a soil green situation. <laughs> on your hands. There is, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's the lungs of, of the world, basically. Um, that's yeah. most, a lot of our oxygen comes from there. <laughs> yep. People think it's like forests, it, but most of it comes from phytoplankton. So it's a problem, people. It's a problem. <laughs> that shit boils and dies. We have a problem. Yeah. The cyanobacteria will be fine. <laughs> I was going to say. That might be the only thing. Here's the thing. This is what I've said the whole time. Like the earth at some point. No, we at some point are going to die. Humans will die. The earth will continue. George Carlin back in the day. Other animals will continue. We're going to die. We won't destroy the earth. We will destroy ourselves on the earth. The earth will still be here in some incarnation. I mean, aside from giant asteroid hitting, blowing up, or you know, say, or, uh, out of four, but, you know. the inevitable heat death of the sun. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The will not be a forever thing. The Earth but, won't either, but the Earth will likely outlast us. <laughs> I mean, just like it outlasted the dinosaurs, just like it outlasted, you know, proto uh, organisms. It will still be here. It's just what form are we going to take on it? Probably none. Yeah. What we are doing is not yeah. so much killing the earth as killing our ability to be alive on it. <laughs> That's it. We're killing our ability to exist on the earth. We're not killing the earth. She yeah. we will return. Yeah. Stronger, better than ever when we are gone from her. With plastic, as George Carlin would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True. Which look up that bit. George Carlin was a comedic genius and he's really. Uh, really I had the uh, fortunate to see him live uh, oh. twice. Lucky. Oh, I just felt. Yeah. (laughs) So another interesting thing about the movie is really everybody kind of suffers from a bit of a Mandela effect in it. So when you think about Soylent Green as people in your head, you're probably envisioning Charlton Heston running along these big garbage trucks yelling, Soylent Green is people. That doesn't fucking happen in the movie. (laughs) It doesn't. Now, I think there was an SNL skit that did that, but the he, whole scene where he's running along those trucks is quiet because the that's when he's sneaking not, into the place. Well, that and they didn't want it to be an action movie. So they, they had a rule where wherever you had action scenes, you could not have dialogue. <laughs> Which if you rewatch the movie with that knowledge, you'll be like, oh, yeah. They, I'm going to have to. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that one again. That. Oh, my God. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I'm not life. saying that that's why that wasn't there in that scene, but it just it never happened. But it all our almost everybody's memory. When you think soil and green is people, you think Charlton Heston running along those trucks, screaming it out. And that's not what happened. In point of fact, the first time he says it was actually fairly quietly. He goes, soil and green is people. I mean, it's over. Yeah, he's on the stretcher there. Very quiet. Taken out. Yeah, he's dying in the homeless shelter. And he's like, it's people. Soil and green is made from people. Sorry. (laughs) Come on. He does the reach on the second one. I mean, he does the full reach on the second one. But And then it ends. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So you don't know. Like, they leave it up to conjecture. Like, because first of all, they tried to shut down his investigation. So is the word going to get to the exchange? Is it going to? You don't know. You and that's the point. Like, you don't know if they ever reveal to the world that people are eating people. No, he gets at. 
<laughs> he gets he gets thrown in the truck and he becomes. I was going to say he's going to become part of Soylent Green. He's the next Green of Soylents. So um, he's the next Tuesday distribution. So that that homeless actually was a church, uh, and there's a priest in that church. Yes, um, he's, he's titled as the priest, and his name was the actor is Lincoln Kilpatrick, who actually shows up with Charlton Heston in an earlier movie called The Omega Man. Um, which if you watched I Am Legend or The Last Man on Earth, it's all the same movie with different takes on it from the same story. But um, at any rate, so it's interesting because you kind of feel a vibe between those two actors, a familiarity. And Lincoln Kilpatrick, in my opinion, is a very great actor. And the way he played that priest with this burden of knowing what was happening. And yeah. it was knowing amazing. that he realistically couldn't do much of yeah, anything about it. And the whole time where you keep hearing that the, the dialogue where he says, you know, there's no room. Should I make room? That is all drawing attention to the title of the book, make room, make room. <laughs> so, and um, when you know that it makes that even more like, Oh my God. <laughs> and of course the priest gets assassinated because, you know, the people who run Soylent Green or the Soylent company are aware that, that um, Simonson had gone to the, the, a priest and it thorn as a cop followed up by going to the priest so they know that the priest is a potential leak and they shoot him and he's dead and actually the assassination of him is almost simplistically horrifying i mean he just goes into the confessional booth starts saying it's been six months and then done yep it's just like uh that was professional (laughs) and terrifying honestly the most uh (laughs) yeah well done killing in the whole movie the rest of them were very messy (laughs) yeah I mean, you know the priest is going to be there for confession time. So, yeah, <laughs> what are you going to do? Very poignant, and uh, yeah. yeah, that that actually, I want to say my favorite scene is actually that whole scene between Thorn and the priest when you know the priest is just. It was just so well done that that actor is so on spot, and you know, I mean, whereas it, it may seem a little extra it isn't in my opinion like you know like his portrayal of what was going on in his head just it was like when you understand that that priest knows that the world is being fed their own dead yeah <laughs> and is like just looking around at this massive humanity where he's trying to find more and more beds and space for all these people who have no place to go which you know another thing they don't really drive home but they subtly hit at is like the level of heat they're dealing with you know, so they have to get them out of the there sun. was one mention. Yeah, there was there was like one mention where Charlton Heston was visiting Cheryl where he goes, it didn't get below 90 today. Mm-hmm. So, so. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it's very poignant and very moving scene uh, in the middle of all this. And uh you almost feel happy that the priest got shot because you could just see how burdened he was by this knowledge. I look upon his, some of that scene as also fueled by um, compassion fatigue. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's another thing that going back to like, um, you know, the world that we're currently living in, you know, so many people are dealing with compassion fatigue where it's like, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. I've got nothing more to give. Going on, and I just can't. Like it's not that I don't care. It's that I literally have no more capacity. I can't. It's hard. It's hard being a person right now. So I mean, in a lot of ways, it's an excellent movie, but it's also very slow. 
It was um, very slow. Yes. Especially since you already know. So there's no actual suspense building when you really know the outcome of it. No. And I was trying really hard to watch it as though I didn't know what was coming. Although honestly, I thought that that reveal was going to be way earlier in the film than it was. I didn't realize that this was the kind of film that built and built and built and built and built. And then they're like, it's people done run credits. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's like almost having an orgasm and then not. up to the edge it's edging you this is a movie equivalent of edging it took you right up there and then it was like (laughs) which i mean back in the day if you didn't know maybe it would brought you over the edge but since you know you're like i think possibly that they're while they're going for a slow burn and uh, and ratcheting up of the tension they could have compressed it a bit yeah I think um, overall, I think the pacing felt slightly off to me. There were also like scenes that just literally, okay, I have to talk about the scene where he takes Cheryl into the bedroom to interview her. Uh, yeah, I was really grossed out. And then they're frankly. just stripping and having sex. Like that was talked about in advance. Well, and literally Seth and I are like, did we miss a scene? So that was what was really upsetting to me. So it didn't need to be talked about is how it was being set up because Cheryl knew she was furniture. He calls her into the bedroom. He says on the bed, she knows. So that that was all the conversation she needed. So she just starts pulling down, you know, the blankets and sheets and starts getting ready to get fucked because she knows (laughs) that that's going to happen. And it's fascinating and horrifying it was i that well that's why i said i was utterly like ew ew it was a disgusting scene and then it turns into like the whole thing later where she now she's like please stay with me i want to go with you and like i think the implication was supposed to be again where not great but better than what she was thinking she would get even in the comfort of the wealth whomever came next at least be so I was nice to her and seemed to like her a little bit. And he yeah. talked to her like she was a person and she defended, she defended her friends. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's better than the alternative, which might be someone who beat her because he even right. said, you don't show it. You don't have any bruises. Yeah. Like literally it falls into, at least he doesn't beat me and has a job, <laughs> which I'm, I, it I, does. I, I fear that I speak for all of us here. We, we've all, had that mentality at one point. I mean, yeah, we've all dated somebody that it was like, well, he doesn't hit me and he's got a job. So <laughs> yeah. And please, please, people, please save yourself drama and have higher standards than that. <laughs> you are worth more than just it doesn't beat me anyway. You're allowed to set the bar a lot higher. Regardless of gender. Everybody yeah. should have higher standards than that. <laughs> Agree. And, and whoever gender you prefer, still. Yeah. Higher standards than that. Higher standards. Higher. Please, please save yourself the hell that no. without higher standards than that. One of the things that I read that I think is hysterical is to try and break the tension of the shower scene. Oh, God. Yeah, which, the most which futuristic right thing in the whole fucking movie was the shower. So, <laughs> in order to break that tension... <laughs> The actress playing Cheryl, whose name has just escaped me. Uh, Lee something. Lee, Lee. Yes. 
Lee Taylor Young. There we go. Lee looked at Charlton Heston and said, oh, do you want to part the water? <laughs> Referencing to his role in Moses. <laughs> and he didn't get the joke. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. it's not so she was like, okay. <laughs> but she didn't get, he didn't get it. But she was like, I thought, she's like, does she want me to rip my dick out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could just see that being Charlton as like, is this going oh, right? Hang on. <laughs> I just thought that was great. I was like, thank you. I, you know what, that's the kind of joke I would make. Cause I'd be like, Hey, Moses, <laughs> but he didn't get it. <laughs> so I just loved that fact and that made me laugh. And so I was going to share it because a lot of things were super uncomfortable. She tried to break the tension. It did not work. (laughs) (laughs) That woman probably still laughs about that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me that he would not get that joke. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. uh, This, uh, I went into this thinking I knew what this movie was and it is not what I thought it was. No. If you had never seen it before, yeah. Far stranger than I thought it was. Yes. I expected a lot more drama around the reveal. Yes. And then it just almost like a side and oh yeah, by the way, Soylent Green's people. The the more dramatic reveal actually happened during the um Exchange. the euthanasia scene oh that when he goes to the to the center to go home and uh he whispered or he mouths its people to him and we can't hear it because he's on the loudspeaker so charlton heston hears him say it we just see his mouths move mm-hmm. and he so headphones goes, not loudspeaker just to clarify <laughs> oh yeah not a loudspeaker he's got a earphones um, so we can't hear it, but Charlton Heston hears it, but we can see his mouth move. And he said, it's people. Now, if you were a lip reader, you would know he said it's people. I strangely can we- read lips. So I was like, oh God, he just said it's people. <laughs> so that's actually the first reveal. But if you don't lip read, there's no way in hell you're going to know that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, I didn't Actually, think they kind of mentioned it at the exchange. I have to rewatch it again because the problem is when you already know, you think you hear it when you may not have. So, right. like, I kind of think it was sort of revealed during when he when Saul went to exchange. It, it I actually like, didn't realize that he only mouthed it. Like, I hear it; it's people from Saul, and I hear him tell him like, "You need to get evidence to the exchange." So, I felt like it was implied during yeah. those scenes. I was you might be right. Like, I said, when you already know, you just start inserting it. You know, say the like, words. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he just goes, it's people. And then he says, tell the exchange. But you they let you hear tell the exchange, but they don't let you hear him say, okay, it's people. Yeah, but I'm also one of those people that when I see things written wrong, I see it written the right way because I know what it's supposed to say. So this is why it's a problem for me in this movie. <laughs> like, I just same, same way. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, but the here's the time I'm like, waiting for someone to say that it's people and it's not happening. All right, I have to address the question that I have. It almost felt like the fact that it was people was a sideline. Right. By the way, it's people. Yeah. So they're using dead people to do this. Live people would tell. I'm kidding. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) They euthanize them. You're right. Yeah. If they're sick, 
Wouldn't it be poison? Right. How are people not dying? Like just dying. Right. What? I mean, I actually, I had that same thought. Prion. Watching it yeah. Prion because, disease, anyone? Yeah. I mean, I mean there are so many diseases that spread by eating them. people. <laughs> They're literally euthanizing them, which would assume some sort of poisoning. You know, he almost looks like he's like Socrates drinking some hemlock. And um, <laughs> Yeah. And then they're dumping the like it's those people that they're taking and dumping into the soil and green making machines factory. So I mean, you know, if you feed an animal a poisoned animal, that animal gets poisoned. I was so gonna say the animal dies. We're being fed poisoned animals and we are animals. So I guess you're supposed to assume if you have enough sense to think that for being fed poison, we should be dying, um, <laughs> that there's some kind of purification process happening when they're making them into green chips. <laughs> I guess. It just it, like it hit me. I was like, "That is really bad." Like, <laughs> yeah, you should at yeah. least be picking and choosing the people that you feed to people. <laughs> yeah, natural causes. You know, when they get hit by the dumpster thing, you feed I them. was going to say, honestly, <laughs> my first thought was when they were scooping people up with the dumpster things, is those were the people that were getting eaten. Well, it does but mention it like in a summary, like criminals are executed, assuming that they're not you know, injected. <laughs> well, but apparently they don't care because they're injecting those people and eating. Right, exactly. I mean, like I was assuming if we're trying to like alleviate the poison problem, but yeah, so I, that, I guess your brain is just supposed to go, they must purify it somehow and get the toxins out. Though really, if the problem is population, they could, you know, solve two problems with one. I was going to say, <laughs> oh, maybe they are literally yeah. just trying to slowly poison people with it. And if you eat soylent red and yellow, which is the cheaper soylent, then you're better no, off. No, actually, it, it wasn't. So the soylent red and yellow were actually vegetable. Right. And they we're out of them. They couldn't keep making them because they couldn't supply enough vegetable, right. which is why they moved to green. So, yeah. So, which is why you see like in that market where they have uh, soylent red and soylent yellow or whatever. Uh, chips and scraps left like they don't have full pieces of it they're like you can get little remnants of it here but like yeah crumbs. so what happens is is that yeah they they had a plan earlier which it was vegetation that you were eating and then they were running out of vegetation so they made up that it was phytoplankton when it was people because they were out of actual non-human food stuff <laughs> <laughs> which this is me being horrible though so like to me like the worst thing in the world would not be being fed other people. <laughs> if you fed me a dog, I'd be upset. Like I will eat someone else before I'll eat my dogs. Just so you know, <laughs> like I'll well, die starving the, and not the, eat my dogs. The but other I'll, person I'll is exactly that. <laughs> other, you know, you, <laughs> that you, like you work, it's fine. <laughs> you work, you work your way from least familiar to most familiar on that. <laughs> I'll die of starvation and never touch a puppy, but you know, if you're my neighbor and I don't like you and I'm hungry, I'm just saying. Look out, Elaine. One of us got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy's like, stay away from Jenny if we're in a starvation. <laughs> well, I gotta go after the crazy neighbor first. Where you start eating legs. Legs are the most meaty. Let's just go there. Legs and butt. Ass. Legs and <laughs> butt. Um, but yeah, no, I no. I've had, I've had not eat, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying I have a, a hierarchy. I'll never have to do it, but <laughs> if I do, this is where I'm pretty I've sure we're about safe it. from having to make those difficult decisions. There was a 
a book. I'll be honest. In the Soylent Green scenario, I would just go to the place and die. I, I don't want to live in the streets. Hi, really? I'll happily just poison my ass with a nice Van Gogh immersion experience happening around me. Like, right? <laughs> no, seriously. I'm like, surround me with Frida Kahlo and let's do this crap. Let's do it. Bonus points if you get a nice trip beforehand, you know. Exactly. Although I told Seth, I'm like, that music was not doing it for me. You can't just say classical. You need to be very specific. specific. I need Mozart's Requiem. Thank you very much. Mozart's Requiem and beautiful art. And I'm good. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm perfectly aware of my ability to survive shitty situations. And, like, if you're giving me an out, I'll fucking take it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I can get through it, but why? What is the end game? Here is I could be yes. furniture in a rich man's hotel. Fuck you. Just nope. Done. <laughs> when I first started in the workforce, my first day working for a major corporation was September 17th, 2001. Oh. Six days after 9-11. And uh, the company that I went to work for uh, gave me a call and they said, are you, do you still want the job based on what has just happened? And I said, yes. And I went to work for that company. And then they sent out these survival packages for if your building should fall on you. And it was a bottle of water, a whistle, uh, an N95 mask. Um, there was something else in it. Oh, a light stick. I said a mask, right? A, a, a light stick. <laughs> Right. Wow. So I didn't ask for one because you had to request it. And I didn't ask for one. And someone was like, Betsy, what if something happens to the building? And I was like, oh, I plan to die. (laughs) (laughs) If something happens to this building, I don't think anything that's in that bag will save me. I intend to die. (laughs) They're like, Betsy, that's really messed up. I'm like, more messed up than the idea of being stuck in this building with a light stick, a whistle, and a bottle of water that's this big? No, it is not. <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I've always been one of those. Not even a granola bar. You just get some water and a glow stick. <laughs> oh, God, that's I, I was just like, you know what? No, no, it's okay. I yeah, I would absolutely go to the center. There's no way. I. <laughs> My my desire to live isn't that great. <laughs> I mean, there has you have to give me something to dream for. If my whole dream is like dying somewhere in the streets, we'll eat. I need chips. It's just a little <laughs> bit of hope, you know. Or like, like I said, or becoming furniture. Because one, let's be honest. I'm like, like first of all, I'm not the furniture people want anyway. It's been proven. Second of all, you know, very I have no ability to comply if i think someone's a dick i'm just be like mm, i'm not fucking you i don't care the problem is my my face speaks regardless <laughs> of whether i want it to or not you're like rebecca's <laughs> like even if i could shut up my face would be like <laughs> yeah yeah my my face would talk and i'd be like yeah, I'd, I'd raise that one eyebrow and then they'd be like i'm like no no everything's fine and my face would be like you're a dickhole <laughs> so yeah i mean no i'm just gonna i'm not made for dystopia (laughs) nope i'm just not also yeah like i'm not made for dystopia either because we usually have this whole situation where people team up and then you always have these people that have conflict and they argue 
I wouldn't argue with people. I'm going to go do what I think is the most reasonable fucking thing there is. And you all can go fuck off. (laughs) The funny thing about that is (laughs) a lot of times when I would have anxiety dreams, especially during the last administration, (sighs) uh, many of them were, you know, like something has happened. Things are crumbling. And in my mind, I was always like, I got to get to my Chicago people because we all got plans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my friend was like i'll leave you coordinates learn to learn to use a compass and a map <laughs> see my version of those nightmares is that i am now responsible for other people and i don't want to be responsible for other people like you either follow or not but yeah. don't make noise don't fuck up my shit and just stay. <laughs> yeah. you don't like where i'm going don't fucking follow me <laughs> like, you can, you you cause me to get you know you, to risk my life i'm gonna shoot you also, if you know that I'm going to go someplace and I'm likely going to die, don't fucking try to save me. If I wasn't going to listen to you, just let my ass die because I fucked up. That's on me. Save your own goddamn self. <laughs> I'm a dick. I don't want to deal with people. But it's like it's going to be enough for me to try to keep my dogs alive. And that's all I care about. My dogs are my snake. That be, you know, that's enough responsibility. My dogs aren't smart. So, you know, it's enough for me to deal with. Them. Bless them. They mean well. <laughs> I mean, they're cute. They're oh, really Ham is, Ham is fucking adorable. And Ellie is just a goof. Ellie and my husband have a weird thing. So <laughs> I think Ellie's a bit of a slut. <laughs> oh. oh, I know. And you know, the best dogs are. Because <laughs> <laughs> she sees men and she's, well, no, let me be specific. She's a slut and she generally likes men a lot. Let's put it that way. Men come to the door and Ellie's like, hello. I was like, oh, hi. You want to pet me? <laughs> I'm Elvira, hi. I mean, which is funny. I mean, she is named after Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and the irony is true. <laughs> the character itself was straight. Even Cassandra Peterson is, you know, not anymore. And that's, I'm so happy she found love and mm-hmm. happiness came out and i think that's wonderful elvira still is about men though my dog elvira not elvira but just, <laughs> she's yeah she like whine at my roommate's door to try to get attention it's it's, it's something you know but all right sometimes you just have to whine at the door to get attention maybe i would make good furniture hold on yeah i'm like see again why i wouldn't be good furniture because i won't whine at the door I'd be like hey i told you you don't want it fuck off i got toys bye <laughs> <laughs> In a minute. You're superfluous. <laughs> right. So soil and green. <laughs> it's people. It's people. In case you didn't know. Um, it is not. He doesn't shout that out while running along trucks. It's a reveal that's really made at the end in a very just offhand, casual kind of, of way. The after only the thing fact. that could have made this better is if the music that was playing after he went, it's people was, I don't want to set the world on fire. <laughs> so, but still. Oh. Weird. <laughs> I think there's a lot that could have made this movie better. <laughs> yeah. But it's iconic and you need to see it. I mean, you it's really totally need to iconic. see it. It's especially in the year 2022, you should definitely be watching it this year because this is the year it's set. Yes. Which, you know. And obviously, I am actually Thorn. So anybody who's 41 this year, you are Thorn. (laughs) We are Thorn. I'm going to make shirts. 
I'm apparently either <laughs> a member of the exchange or Saul because I'm old. And <laughs> that, yeah, likewise, I am the book <laughs> of useless knowledge. <laughs> Another poignant thing to remember, though. So while you have Saul's death scene happening and you have, you know, Heston losing his shit for reality reasons as well as movie reasons. You also have this thing where like, you know, Saul's like, you see, you see, because they're showing the pictures of the world before everything died. And um, what you really get hit with is that Thorne never saw the world that way. So whereas like we're all saying we wouldn't want to live in a world like that and we just want to go home. If you had never seen anything different, you may have hope. (laughs) (laughs) So you may be like, why wouldn't you want to survive? Well, I mean, it's the same reason why Saul's like, let me just go home because this is shit compared to (laughs) So like. It's very much like the younger generations not knowing what it's like not to have a computer. It, like there's always been a computer in their home and I'm like, Oh or yeah. A cell phone. Yeah. yeah. I, I went through large periods of my life where there was no computer in my home. So it's just a different thing. But yeah, if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know what to miss. Yeah. You can't miss something you never had. You can't be, well, you can mm. trust me. <laughs> yeah. I suffer from ennui. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's hard to miss something that you never knew existed. Like you don't have the language for it. You don't, it's, it's like a toddler doesn't have the language to express their emotions. So they scream and cry. Uh, right. It's the same with these people. They don't, they don't know. They Which have no way of understanding. Even more lost. horrific for Thorne. So like, here's this character who's watching this guy he loves die, which also props to these people in the 1970s because they totally just say, I love you, I love you too. Thorne yeah, and Saul. I, and I did appreciate that. And I, I thought that was, was great. Very nice. Um, so here he's watching his good friend die. He's seeing what the world was like before now, which he had no clue about. And he's being told that, hey, by the way, our main food source is people. people. And you need to, like, let the world know. So go get on that. So, like, talk about everything being ripped away at once from this bastard. I mean, seriously, that wasn't even the band The Band-Aid was just ripped at that moment. There was nothing. That know. wasn't a Band-Aid. That was a full, like, somebody's duck laid off a layer of skin off that poor bastard. Uh, yeah. It just went... You no longer have eyelids, motherfucker. You can't shut your eyes. <laughs> I mean, for real, that is like so much all at once. And it, he overacts it, but it's still like, you can understand why he's like super reactive to it. At least in that moment, it's like, if he's overreacting, well, there's a reason he's overreacting. Like, I'm not even sure that he... Re- reacted enough in that scene like i think he maybe right. his 11 was a little too little at that point either. right he needed a, a, a 13 or yeah i mean and that might have been because I, he was at 11 the whole time and then when he had to go above 11 he's like shit there's nowhere else to go yeah that that, that was what came to mind when i was like you know i expected more drama around the expo of what the soylent green was um and it didn't it seem shock yeah <laughs> Like he I mean, you know, there is disassociation that happened. So he could have just, yeah. Um, The the truth was so awful that he couldn't properly process it. it. So the reaction is muted. Right. That's definitely real there. But um, but another funny side note. So in the whole euthanasia scene, the the attendant is Dick Van Patten, which if you were a 70s, 80s kid, he was the dad from 80s or eight is enough. And if you're a 90s kid, he was... the princess vespa's dad in space balls yeah, 
And ah! so this was before he was kind of known. <laughs> I didn't and, realize. Uh, so Dick Van Patten, with the whole scene with um, Howard Robinson, the guy who plays Saul, this guy, so Robert Watts was a really well-known actor, aside from the whole House on American Activity stuff. And Dick Van Patten was a fan. And he kept fucking up his initial line where he was supposed to say, come with me, Mr. Roth. He kept saying, come with me, Mr. Robinson, because he was so like, <laughs> I'm with Mr. Robinson. <laughs> Oh, Which so I think cute. is adorable. <laughs> that is legitimately cute. Side note on that. Yeah. I don't think any of us could do, say that we would do anything different in regards to that one. <laughs> if you're around, you know, somebody that you looked up to, it's, you know, Rachel Weiss with oh, the guy who played her brother. Why do I forget that actor's name? John Hanna. Thank you. Yeah. Similar scenario. You know, Rachel Weiss, John Hanna was a big star in England. She's working there. She was like, <gasps> you know, the whole time. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just real. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I just thought that was cute. A nice little side note to. That is really cute. But and I think we've we've talked this to death, but it's, um, it's it's hard to say this, but it's kind of true. It actually is a great movie on so many levels. It's just also not a good movie. So yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, like it, it is. Schrodinger's movie it is both good and bad until you open the box <laughs> and actually after you open the box it's still both good, still both good and bad. <laughs> oh I would be remiss yeah. if I didn't just for a minute mention the legs on the woman in the apartment her name was oh the woman who played Martha yes yes Martha uh, I've yeah. seen her in other things she's been in tons of stuff unfortunately okay. she's no longer with us she was uh, Paula Kelly Paula Kelly. Kelly. Yes, yeah. I knew her last name. I was a dancer, actress. Yes, amazing. She yeah. was one gorgeous. Like they walked into that room, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, those legs!" Oh, and then there, Seth's like, "She's a dancer." I'm like, "Well, yes, she is." Oh, that, that yeah, that would explain oh. it. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was something else. But yeah, uh, the woman of Brewster Price, JoJo dancer. Your life is calling. Um, just so many movies. Uh, she was in night court for a while. She had a, in this TV series. She was, a, she was very prolific. I was going to say um, prolific. I think she died. When was, I think the two thousand. Oh no, no, no. We lost her in 2020. She just I was going to say, I saw uh, she died of C- COPD. Which, I mean, given it was February, 2020 COPD, it could also actually have been COVID as well. So yeah. I said, I was, Entirely. Like, was actually COVID. It's possible. I mean, it also could have been COPD. It's still people yeah. die of it, whether or not there's COVID. But yeah, my grandfather, Leonard, Leonard, why I Leonard made more of it is because my grandpa died of COPD. So, of course, it's like, yeah. right now, I'm like, oh. But, I mean, like I said, a lot of people who might have made it through didn't. They caught COVID because it hits your lungs. So. Oh, absolutely. And now. So Omicron doesn't so much, which is kind of the nicest thing. Which is nice. um, <laughs> It's a big change. No, no, it's not. It still sucks. sucks. Right. Yeah. Yes. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we did just lose her and she was amazing and gorgeous lovely and very i loved her scenes she was dynamic like Mm -hmm. for the little that she had to do she was still really dynamic in those scenes can't take your Mm -hmm. eyes off of her no she just dominates the camera in a beautiful way hook up she takes it she takes over the scenes yeah Yeah. takes up just by presence beautiful i mean and the, the i mean her the way she would emote on her face, she like there's that scene where like she was like, I would have offered you something. I how rude of me, you know. And Heston's like, if I had time, I would have accepted. And she's like, 
course she would. You know, like but hers is like she can say two words and like a whole freaking paragraph comes out of her face. Oh she, yeah, she was so good yeah. at expressing. It was gorgeous, dynamic. Yeah, especially with Heston like, being so wooden. You know, like Heston, it all comes mm-hmm. out of inflection and tone. Like he's not a very acting emotive. Yeah. Emotive, yeah. Physically emotive, I should say. Um, I mean, he can act physically, he moves around and stuff, but I mean, but as far as like like emotion coming out of his face and his looks and stuff, he's not really. It's mostly he's very wooden in his yeah. like he keeps it all it. comes through his tongue, <laughs> which may be why he's so over the top, because he can yeah. only get it out through his voice. <laughs> I his jaw is just so tight all the time. I'm like, are you just that hardwired, Sunshine? Because you need that <laughs> you have locked off. An you need a tetanus shot. I, I briefly oh, thought that he might have fake teeth. <clears throat> so actually, I, I forgot to mention this. So Chuck Connors, who played the bodyguard, is mm-hmm. again another, you know, Republican crazy man. But anyway, but also though a person of note, he played both Major League Baseball and basketball or professional basketball, not Major League Basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's in the NBA and and as well which is interesting and he also was a writer and an actor and i remembered his face because of airplane to the sequel <laughs> he played sarge <laughs> so at the very least he did not take himself very seriously <laughs> if he was in that movie but another very prolific actor as well and a professional baseball player and a professional I mean, basketball as, player as far as that goes the cast is kind of crazy in that they're incredibly talented they're all very good like they seem to have a lot of big names yeah you know, for the time for the time which yeah. is funny because i can't envision that this was anything other than a b movie and yet it was a big cast yeah it it came out and i don't know what commercial success it has but i know it's got a huge cult following oh, and sure. usually cult movies don't have great commercial success initially yeah or budget <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm sure. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. So hold on. Look that up. Um also so another interesting note trivia. There was in the 2000s a company came out known as Soylent that was making mm-hmm. protein shakes, which I thought was yep. funny as hell. Like I don't know if they didn't fucking research their name or oh, I think they I think they chose or if they purpose. liked the joke. Um and the original name Soylent, so even from this movie, was actually supposed to be a combination of soy and lentils. That's why you have soylent green was supposed to be. So I don't know if maybe that's why the the protein shake company came up with Soylent, but they actually got banned in Canada because of their fat content. So like Canada would not let Soylent, the actual Soylent protein shake company sell mm-hmm. anything in Canada for a while. And people started this crazy rumor that it was because it actually was made out of people like Soylent Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so I think that's funny as hell. And I actually, I also think it's funny. Like it's a weird marketing ploy. Like if they knew, like, I don't want to buy something called Soylent. Like, I'm going to be suspicious. I'm fairly certain they know, and we're banking on the on the notoriety. To but, get, I mean, it's the wrong kind get, At the minute, it's true, but it gets people talking about it, and people notice, and and it's studies have shown all you need to do is repeat the name often enough, and it sticks in but people's I do, minds. Like, when I first saw advertisements for it, I made a joke about it. I did have somebody who was much younger. Well, not much younger, but probably like a decade or so younger than me at the time go, oh, I don't know. It's actually pretty good. Like, who totally didn't know why. I was like, why would you want to do this? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I think maybe they were banking on a lot of people not catching the references well, perhaps. So... 
like nobody so, it, so overall i think it was an interesting movie it certainly has a lot of points that it touches on not having read the book i don't know how well of an adaptation it is i do but, know the author uh, went and handed out copies of his books to pretty much every actor on the that was a bit mm-hmm. of trivia he just like here read the book i don't know mm-hmm. that they did but <laughs> well probably not when asked how pleased he was with the book or with the film adaptation, because he yeah, had, he said about 50, 50 pins said I'm about 50%. So yeah. that's not the worst, <laughs> but did you find the commercial success yet? It doesn't actually say it said it met mixed reviews. It made 3.6 million, but it doesn't say how much it costs to make. Yeah. Mm. Though 3.6 million sounds pretty good for the seventies, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then it apparently did really well on video sales. Um, it was okay. one of the first films to go to Laserdisc immediately. <laughs> well, there's a dead dead format. <laughs> I still have a Laserdisc kid. Look that up. You'll be amused. I'm psychotic. Yeah. Um, so I have a working Laserdisc player. Nah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's like having a Sega game system. It right? Really good stuff, but it just didn't take off. I mean, that's it. And honestly, it's super fun because you can do like super slow motion with it because you can go <laughs> and dial through. <laughs> so at any rate, watch the movie. I, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, if you can try to suspend knowing that it's people. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah. go into it pretending like you don't know how it ends. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, it's diversion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, at least it's a different uh, dystopia than what we're actually in in 2022. So there's that. <laughs> it's still escapism. Uh, yeah. Overall, just going into it also knowing it's got some tough stuff that is going to just annoy the piss out of you, uh, to put it mildly. It. Yeah. There are certain triggers in it. So do be aware of that. Yeah. Mostly violence against women. Uh, yeah. Domestic <laughs> violence. Yeah. You know. Domestic violence. Um, just general uh, crowd control uh, violence also probably very little yeah. and mm-hmm. you know protests and stuff but yeah um oh yeah protest right. violence oh my god the protest mm-hmm. yeah yeah that um yeah that's extreme so so be prepared for that um just you know laugh or, and or drink anytime testing goes over the top to 11 where it seems completely inappropriate and uh yeah or anytime some woman is called furniture or referred to a lot and you'll have a good drinking game. Just don't poison yourself and or drive. And uh, feel free to reach out and let us know what you thought about the movie. Because um, we'd love to hear from you. And um, have a great new year, guys. <laughs> See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Girls Go Schools podcast. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Girls Go Schools podcast, on Twitter at Girls Ghost Pod. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Girls Go Schools podcast, and find our podcast on your favorite podcatcher.